If you, have, if you have your Bible, turn over to the Gospel of Mark. Or if you don't have your Bible, there's, there's one right in front of you if you want to follow along. Yes, we are still hanging out in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 8 and the verses 31 through 38. Mark 8, starting in verse 31. So he, he being Jesus, of course, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside, and he began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and he looked at the disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then he called the crowd, called the crowd to him along with the disciples, and he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels." The Word of God for the people of God. God. And I'm going to ask you guys uh, some more questions today before we get started. Just like I asked you in the beginning, today's question day. I titled this sermon, Recognizing Jesus. And that's going to be the overall theme for the morning, Recognizing Jesus. So as we go through the Scriptures once more throughout the next few minutes... And as we explore this theme of recognizing Jesus, I want you to be asking yourself some more questions. Obviously, the first question is this. Do we, or do I, recognize Jesus? Would I, or would we, recognize Jesus if I saw Him today? Do I know Jesus, or do I just think that I know Jesus? And here's the big ones, the last two. Do I live as though Jesus is truly my Lord? Do I deny myself and follow Jesus, or do I deny Jesus and follow me? Hope those last two really stick out in our heads through the next few minutes. Do I live as though Jesus is truly my Lord? Or number one, number two, do I deny myself and follow Jesus? Or do I deny Jesus and follow myself? I've talked to you guys. I, I want to mention this one more time. Do I live as though Jesus is truly my Lord? 
I've talked to you guys about this before, is this idea of Jesus being Lord. A lot of times we refer to Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. That's a pretty common theme. That's a pretty common thing that most Christians say. Jesus Christ is my Savior and Lord. I recognize Him as these things. I want to mention this again because it's a great concern to me. It's a great concern to me, of course, as a pastor. But I'm going to tell you what, just as a Christian in general, one who tries to the best of my ability and through the, through the power of the Holy Spirit to be and to become more like Jesus, to be conformed to the image of Christ, I wonder if we really just kind of consider Jesus our Savior. Because I've asked you this question before, you know, if Jesus is truly our Lord, that makes Him basically our King. And if, we are king, if He is our King, we are the people of His kingdom. And if we are the people of His kingdom, what do we do? What do the people of a kingdom do with their king? They follow Him. They do what the king says. He's the Lord. That's what being subjected or being subjects of a Lord is. We submit ourselves to Jesus. We submit ourselves to the ways of Jesus. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. Think about this. We've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount and some lot of crazy ideas that go against our egos since the beginning of January. Do I follow Jesus? Is Jesus truly Lord of my life in those particular areas? We'll get a little bit deeper into that shortly. Is Jesus really my Savior and Lord, or, do, is he really, or am I really just kind of content with Him being my Savior? That's a big question we need to ask ourselves and answer and answer honestly. Because Peter had the same problem. Peter, Peter didn't recognize Jesus. The early disciples, even though they followed Him, didn't recognize Jesus. The early teachers of the law that we read about in the Gospels, if anybody should have known who the Messiah was going to be, you would think it would have been them fellas. They didn't recognize Him. In our scripture today, Peter clearly knows who Jesus is. He knows who Jesus is, but he don't know what Jesus is. If, you'll, uh, if you want to look backwards just a few verses, you'll get what I'm saying a little bit better, I think. Because just before we get to this scene in our, from our scriptures today, where, where Jesus talks about having to be... Um, subjected to death and rising again. There's another conversation that goes on between Jesus and the disciples. It's in verses 20. It's actually in verses, uh, entire discussion is verse 29 through 30. Um, but Jesus asked the disciples, and Peter is among them. He says, who do you think I am? Or who do people say that I am? Let me read those to you real quick. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? Some of them replied that some say that you are John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. Still others say that you are one of the prophets. So Jesus asked him, he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus knew what, Je Peter knew what Jesus was. He recognized him as the Messiah, the as the Messiah. The interesting thing that we see in the next few verses is he might have known what he was at the time, but he, or who he was, what he was, but he didn't know who he was. Peter knew that Jesus was, was the Messiah. He states this. But he rebukes Christ in the very following verses because Christ gives an idea of who he is, of what he's made of. 
And Peter didn't recognize that. Peter doesn't recognize that. He doesn't want to recognize that. He recognized him as Christ. He recognized him as the Savior. He recognized him as the Messiah. The people, the one that they prayed about, the one that they expected for, for hundreds, if not thousands, hundreds of years. The one they've been prophesied about. But let's look again at 31 and 32. Let's see how this thing changes, and I hope that I'm making sense on this one. So Peter goes from identifying him as the Messiah in 31 and 32, or 27 or 29. Peter says, you're the Messiah. But then in 32, 31, 32, Jesus began to teach him, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests of the law, that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter didn't like what he was hearing. Peter didn't like this version of the Messiah. People, Peter didn't like this version of Jesus. Okay? Peter expected something different from the Messiah. Peter expected something different. Most of the disciples, most of the teachers of the law at the time, expected the Messiah to be something different than what Jesus was saying here. Jesus was revealing his character for one thing. He was revealing his love and he was revealing his character, but he was also saying, I'm going to die for the sake of other people. I'm going to lay down my life and be killed for the sake of other people. I'm going to be denied and I'm going to be humiliated. What was the word that he used? Suffer. I will suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the priests and the teachers. That's not the Messiah that Peter wanted. That's not the Messiah that Peter expected. They thought the Messiah was going to be something else altogether. This ain't the version they wanted. They wanted a military man. They wanted a military Messiah who was literally going to take up arms and release the oppressed Israelite people. That's what they expected. That's what they wanted. They wanted Schwarzenegger. That ain't what they got. They got a man willing to lay down his life and willingly suffer at the hands of other people. Peter knew what Jesus was, but he didn't know who he was. He didn't recognize Jesus when Jesus revealed himself and who he was. Did I make that clear? Am I? Because am I, I feel like I'm not. Do we recognize Jesus or do we expect something else today? Do we recognize Jesus or do we, as Peter did, try to make Jesus into our image? I think a lot of us do that. So Jesus, after Peter does this, he rebukes him. <laughs> Jesus rebukes Peter and uh, even refers to him as Satan. And he says this, he says, you don't have in mind, talking to Peter, he says, Peter, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Again, Peter wanted a different kind of Savior. He expected a different kind of Savior. But that's not the way of God, and that's what Christ is saying in these words. What you wanted, Peter, is, is what man wants. What you're getting is what God wants. 
And again, I'm going to say this. If anybody you would have thought known who Christ was, you would have thought it would have been Peter. You would have thought it had been the disciples. For goodness sakes, they hung out with him. They'd been with him for a while. They heard him teach. They saw him perform miracles. As the disciples do, they were mimicking and they were trying to reflect the very ways of Jesus. Yet they still didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize the submissive, humble Messiah who was about to give up his life. I read a commentary um, on these verses in preparation of the sermon this week. It was a really good commentary, and I'm going to quote it a couple times. <clears throat> but speaking of this, the writer, the author of that commentary that I read wrote this. He said, The disciples cannot imagine a Christ who suffers and dies. Can we? Can we imagine a leader who willingly suffers and dies? The disciples can't imagine their Christ who suffers and dies. How can a Messiah win if he suffers? Question. How can a Messiah bring about victory and freedom if his enemies triumph? How can a Messiah redeem if he is killed? And here's the kicker. Understand, to be in close proximity, as the disciples were, to be in close proximity to the life of Jesus does not exclude the possibility of misunderstanding and misinterpreting the way of Jesus. Just because we come to church every morning, just every Sunday, just because we come to church every week, just because we've been coming to church for months, years, or decades, just because we are in close proximity to Jesus, that still does not exclude the possibility that maybe, just maybe, we still misunderstand and we misinterpret the way of Jesus. 2,000 years later, 2,000 years after Jesus said these words to Peter, you've got to wonder how much has changed. Because you would think that if anybody knew Jesus today, after people talking about Him and reading New Testament Scripture and preaching and learning for 2,000 years, if anybody knew who Jesus really was, you would think it would be His church. But do we? Do we really know who Jesus is? Do we recognize Him? Is Jesus our Lord and Savior? Is He our Lord? Because I wonder and I'm afraid sometimes that maybe Jesus has become more of our mascot than He has our example. Like I said earlier, it becomes very easy for us to... Uh, to mold Christ into our image, as opposed to us allowing Him to mold us into His. I wonder if when faced with the real prospect of following Jesus, if more of us are like Peter, rebuking Christ and rebuking His call to self-denial and to authentic, costly discipleship. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me, is what we read in the Scriptures today. As we look forward to Easter um, during the season of Lent, we're reminded that the very foundation of the church, the very foundation of Christianity is the cross. That's what we're looking forward to. We're looking forward. Our tradition, our religion, everything that we believe is based on a Messiah who allowed himself to be killed. Y'all don't think Jesus could have jumped off that cross at any moment? 
Y'all don't think that Jesus could have, could have been that Messiah that everybody wanted? That military giant? Of course he could. This was full submission. 2,000 years later, it's still full submission. That's the character of Jesus. That is the, and if that's the character of Jesus, what have I said before about the character of Jesus? That's the character of Jesus. That's the character of God. You can't separate the two. Whatever Jesus is, God is. The humility, the love, the grace, the mercy that was laid out on that cross, that is not only our foundation, that is also our example. That is our example. Are we living? That's what this verse means. About taking up your cross and following me, by the way. Are we living into this call to reject the ways of the world and give all that we have for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of other people? Are we living into that? So the scripture finishes off in 38 today. I'm going to read that one more time. If anyone is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. You say, well, Jerry, I, I would never be ashamed of Jesus. I would, never, I would never be ashamed to be a Christian. I certainly would never, never deny my religion. I would never, never deny that I'm a follower, that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I would never do that. But do we? Let me read this one more, this other portion uh, from this commentary that I went through this week. And I, I hope that it hits you between the eyes like it did, like it did me. If you don't take anything, anything, anything that I, that I preach today home with you, take this. Take this because this is, this is, again, this is powerful. Being ashamed of Christ, being ashamed of Christ does not always appear as outright denial of Christ. Sometimes denial is enacted by those who claim Christ and yet embody a way that is antithetical to Christ. That is completely opposite of who He is is completely opposite of what he teaches. Let me repeat that one more time. Sometimes denial of Christ is enacted by those who claim him and yet embody a way opposite of him. Our lips utter praises while cursing our neighbor. Our hands raise in worship while we practice violence against the vulnerable. Our minds ponder the glory of God while we harbor hatred towards our enemies. Rather than being crucified, we crucify others. Do we know Jesus? Do we recognize Jesus? Or again, is Jesus simply our mascot? a religious name that we hide behind while we continue to go through life, pretty much looking, talking, acting, and being concerned with all the things that everybody else is concerned with. Being, acting, thinking pretty much like everybody else. Do we know Him? Do we know Him? Do we deny ourselves and follow Jesus? 
or do we deny Jesus and follow ourselves? Only you can answer this question honestly. I can't do that for you. You know, we've talked about before, you know, what, there, there, there's ways that you can, you, can, you can answer that question if, you, if you're going to be honest with yourself, if you're going to be honest with God. There's questions that you can ask yourself. There's ways that you can evaluate yourselves and your relationship with God in the, way, in the way that you live, the way that I live, the way that I think, and the way that those thoughts are portrayed out in, in my, through my outward actions. What do you desire the most in life? What do you desire the most in life? Is it pleasure? Is it social status? Is it popularity, influence, money, power? All these things that most people desire the most, the things that drive most people the most, is that it or is it something else? Because if it's that stuff, right a line. We don't recognize Jesus, just like Peter, because that ain't the life that he calls us to. That's not the thinking that he calls us to. Those are precisely, for example, those things of the world that, ta that Paul talks about. The things that the world loves, the things that the world that drives people. Popularity, money, material stuff, pleasure, social status. So is it those things or is it Him? Or is it at the very least? Because I don't think I'm, I'll, I don't think I'll ever be there. But at the very least, as far as I can speak for myself, and as far as I hope for you guys, at the very least is it the desire to give up those aspects of our life for the sake of following Jesus and for the sake of serving and loving other people. Because that's who He is. They didn't recognize that. And I'm afraid that a lot of His church doesn't recognize it today. What do we want most? What do you as an individual want most? Do you, we want forfeiting our souls to gain the ways of the world or something else? And that's what that verse means, by the way. Let me read that one more time. Because this is some major interpretation, misinterpretation that goes on on this verse. What good is it for someone to gain the world yet forfeit their soul? And that is what this verse is talking about. This verse is, this verse is not about heaven and hell. When I hear this verse quoted or, or, preached, or preached very often, the, the implication is there that, that what Christ is talking about is you know, going to heaven or going to hell. And that's not it at all. It's very plain what he's saying right here. What good is it for someone to gain the world? For someone to gain the world. If you lose, all, if you gain the world, all these things we just mentioned. All these things that drive the world, popularity, money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What good is it if you gain the world and lose your soul? Losing your soul is, is getting out of step with Jesus, getting out of step with God's kingdom. Why would I want to do all that? And again, I'm going to repeat this one more time. <laughs> I'm not judging anybody. I don't want you. <laughs> There's certain areas. I hold myself to a, to a higher level of accountability than, than, than I do you guys. Um, but there's certain 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 areas, you know, y'all. <clears throat> we can't judge people's hearts a lot of times. Is what I'm getting at. It's not it's not my job with anybody to play the role of judge. That's God's job. It is not my job to convict you guys of anything. That's the Holy Spirit's job. 
I am just a messenger that he, I'm just a messenger. I'm just a tool that he uses every now and then. If anybody ever gets con under, under conviction, I'm not the judge and, and I don't convict. I, um, but for some of us, we got to make a decision. For some of us, we have to make a decision. Are we going to keep playing games with Jesus? Are we going to keep playing church games? Are we going to keep showing up to church once a week, dressing up, putting our smiles on, and then immediately leave and forget everything that happened for the next six days and 23 hours? Because Christianity is not a once-an-hour-per-week endeavor. Christianity is a 24-7 endeavor. Christianity was never meant to be just going to church. It was, it was meant to be being the church in every aspect of our lives, in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our occupations, everything. We should be reflecting Jesus. Do we recognize Him? Do we know Him? Is He really our Savior and Lord? Only you can answer that. Y'all pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your, for your word. God, we thank you during this season of Lent as we reflect on our lives, as we reflect on our hearts. We ask that you would help us in these areas where we may fall short. Help us in these areas where we do have sin in our lives, whether it's sin in our thoughts, sin in our words, sin in our actions, sin towards our neighbors, sin towards you. Help us to be aware of these things. Make us aware of these things. Grant in us penitent hearts for when these do arise in our minds. Help us to repent. Help us, God, to seek you. Help us, God, to seek to know Jesus. And help us to seek to be transformed and conformed to his image. For your glory and for the good of every life that we might touch. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.